0: Welcome to Eurovision Song Context. This is a podcast that tries to get to the bottom of what makes a Eurovision submission successful. Why do we love the submissions we do? And what do they say about us? It's a tour of taste, identity, and the ins and outs of ESC. It's episode 7. I'm Bradley, and I'm joined today by Mies and Anthony. They're Eurovision superfans we'll talk about, what else, Eurovision 2023. I always encourage you to go to the show page at Eurovision FM and watch the submissions before we talk about them. Welcome, Mies and Anthony. I am so excited about this conversation.
1: Hi. Nice to be here,
2: Bradley and Mies.
1: Excellent. Yes. So my name is Mace. Uh, I'm from the Netherlands and I'm 18 years old. I am a Eurovision fan since 2015. Yeah. So since last year, I go to the the host cities every year. So yeah, that's very cool. <laughs>
0: so how many have you been to now? How many host cities? You've been to all of them since 2015. Is that right?
1: No, I have visited only um, Rotterdam for the second summer final in 2021. Mm. And uh, Turin last year, and I'm going to Liverpool.
0: Excellent! He's going to Liverpool.
1: Yes, <laughs> he's
0: he's got tickets. <laughs> Much to the chagrin of people who did not get tickets. Maybe I won't yeah. rub it in. I won't rub it in. Anthony, <laughs> and can you tell us a bit about yourself?
2: Well, I'm a 34 year old Greek guy. Uh, been into Eurovision as a teenager when everyone in Greece was into Eurovision in the start of the 2000s. Mm. Um, right now. I've only been able to visit Torino last year. I'll be also in Liverpool, and I also got tickets for semi-final too.
0: Oh, that's excellent. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, how, did you, how did you both find the ticket-buying experience this year? Because that's going to be on everyone's, in everyone's thoughts.
2: I'm pretty sure everyone agrees it was horrendous. Um, I was lucky to find my ticket the next day, actually, when it's supposed to be sold out. Mm. Um, I was just clicking like crazy on the search button and at some point the ticket just appeared just out of the blue. I was, I don't know how lucky that was, some cancellation, someone didn't have enough money on their
0: credit
1: card, but that was me that took advantage of that.
0: That is, that's very lucky. And which shows will you both be going to?
1: I will be going to the first semifinal and the second semifinal, both the live shows.
0: Wow. Both the live shows.
1: Yes.
2: It's amazing. (laughs) Anthony. I'm only going to be on the semi two live show, which is also the one where Greece participates. So I'm pretty sure our luck has run out through me. So I'm pretty sure Greece might not go through this time.
0: Okay. Okay. (laughs) Fair enough. Um, I wanted to ask you both. So what your first memories of Eurovision are, I guess.
2: Uh, For me, it was in 2001, I barely knew what Eurovision was. I was 13 years old already, Um, and I remember some family, friends saying to me that, Oh, you have to watch tonight. We might win. I'm like, "Watch what and win what? Um, So (laughs) we ended up watching it, the whole family, friends, and we ended up third. And that was the year with Antique and Die For You, that iconic ethnic Greek sound. Yeah. Um and this is actually when Greeks really started getting into it.
0: Mm. mm cool. Okay. And Mies, how about you? Well, the first
1: thing I remember about Eurovision was in 2013 when I was watching the Junior Eurovision Song
0: Contest for the first time in my life. How? how did you mm. end up watching Junior Eurovision first? How was <laughs> he, that your he spring? Was a <laughs> <Yeah>. oh, fine. <laughs> fine. <laughs> well, I don't know.
1: It was just um a a, a very popular TV show for um uh, yeah, young children. Uh, so it it was like very hard on TV on the children channels, you know? And, um, so I watched and, um, yeah, it, it, I don't know. I was directly like, um, completely like, uh, fascinated by the, just by like the Eurovision feeling, you know? (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Do
0: you, do you feel like junior Eurovision actually transmits the same feeling as adult Eurovision?
1: I actually think yes. If you are, yeah, okay. I think, yeah.
0: Okay. And um, <laughs> you are both in countries that like, presumably like really care about Eurovision. I don't know. Like, so I, you know, I was in Italy for 12 years when they didn't participate. So I watched a lot of San Sanremo, and then England, which, you know, just does whatever every year except for last year so <laughs> you know at no point in my life have i thought like oh maybe my country will win that's never happened to me so do you do you both go in with that kind of thought like oh well, you know my country's going to win this year or what what is my country sending this year or oh no my country is sending the wrong thing this year
2: i uh, well, for me being greek is that the the era between 2000 and 2010 11 somewhere around there it was the era where we always did well like pretty much top 10 every year. So um, people really wanted us to do well back then. Today, I don't think the interest is that high anymore. There's a lot lot of things factoring in, but I'm pretty sure the majority of Greeks don't even know what's going to happen this year, for example, yet. Because the fact that we haven't selected our song, we haven't revealed our song, rather, doesn't help either.
0: Mm. Mm. How about you,
1: Mies? So, uh, like your question was like, um, what do I think about the- uh, Like, okay. do, you,
0: do you get excited, you're from a country that can actually get excited about its entry, right? Like yes. no, one, no one in Britain ever, except for <laughs> last year, was like, oh, we're so excited about our entry. Like, maybe we'll win. It <laughs> didn't happen. So, I mean, I'm in a world where I can only really be excited about other people's entries, but you can actually mm-hmm. be excited about your own?
1: Yes, definitely. I think um, like the last years, let's say the last 10 years, the Netherlands really uh, sent great entries and um, Mm -hmm. yeah, they became really popular in the Netherlands, especially Duncan Lawrence, of course, who won in 2019. He wasn't popular in the Netherlands before he participated and everyone was complaining about it, but then his song was publicated and it was so, like everybody was just so surprised and then he won. So yeah, very great actually.
0: <laughs> Thanks. Mm. Yeah, um I hear that song now in the United States. I live in the south of the United States by accident. But um <laughs> I hear that song. I hear Arcade in the checkout when I'm when I'm checking out with my groceries, which I think is like a little bit bizarre to hear like a Dutch song, you know, like the Dutch Eurovision winner. But I will say yeah. that I find that song Crazy depressing like like I hope that the, the the Dutch songs don't say anything about the Dutch character because like you know there's some there's some depressing Dutch songs out there, Mies, like did De you yeah. last year and yes. like arcade, and oh my goodness like. <laughs> and deep day okay. uh,
2: afterwards and this year's is also a bit depressing i mean as yeah, an outsider, i can definitely see what you mean bradley yes
0: of <laughs> yeah i want to get me some like some sunlight and maybe something yeah. to cheer him up i don't know but yeah <laughs> well, like uh, it's yeah. currently
1: very dark over here it's like snowing and very cold so uh, mm-hmm. i think we definitely need like uh, some sun in liverpool maybe even though it rains always over there i guess but
0: <laughs> do either of you have friends that like eurovision well, back in the day when everyone was watching it,
2: all my friends were also watching it. I remember having uh, viewing parties uh, at, uh, while I was studying at the university in Athens. Everyone would watch it. It was a big deal for everyone. But lately, it hasn't been the case. And I really, really literally have to drag my friends over at home, promise them treats or whatever, you know, whatever will bring them in so that I don't end up watching the final by myself. even my ex-girlfriend was like you're paying too much attention to this thing I'm like (laughs) have you already forgotten how big that was like 15 years ago it's like completely different times right now
0: yeah that's a little sad
2: Mm -hmm. well it's the truth though and Greeks will will tell you that aside from that Saturday some people might watch it sure it does some big numbers still but the whole preparations and the pre-Eurovision period doesn't even exist in the media or doesn't get much attention at all.
0: Well, maybe that's okay. Maybe you just have Eurovision friends. So that's like how the yeah. rest of us survive, isn't it? <laughs> exactly.
2: That's, that's what I'm doing at the moment.
0: Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. And so, um, Anthony, can you just recap the golden age of Greek Eurovision? Um, Yeah. Because you mentioned... So, I I mean, I have told you that for me, every year is the golden age of Greek Eurovision because um, my son, who is six, um, and Mm -hmm. started watching Eurovision when he was probably three, Greece is always his favorite country, bar none. And he doesn't know it's Greece. It's just like every year he's like, that's my favorite song, and it happens to be Greece. So, yeah, in our house every... Yeah. Yeah. I mean I think it was it was it, you know Stefania with her walking up the invisible steps or whatever I think that that was probably a shoe in if if you're if you're if you're six, that's that was going to be a winner. But um <laughs> but yeah, yeah no no, we always love Greece at our house. But yeah, oh. go, go go ahead and tell us about your golden age so no one forgets in case as just, if they had. But
2: yeah. I just want to oh. say that the fact that Stefania also looked like a teletubby we might have helped right. <laughs> that purple full body thing. She did look like a Teletubby and she's also Dutch, part Dutch means, right? Yes.
1: Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's true. She actually lives here in the Netherlands. So yes, she speaks better Dutch than Greek,
2: but we love her hearing this. True. (laughs) She she brought us back to the top 10 after uh, eight years, if I'm not mistaken. So that was a big deal for her and for us, at least for the fans. Um. So right, back to your question. I did reference it a couple of times already. Greece is participating since like 1974. Um, we've never been, we've never finished above the fifth place until Antique did the third place in 2001. So it mm. was a long, a long period of average placings or bad placings, and the interest was coming and going. But with Antique and Elena Paparizou, obviously, at the leading vocals back then. Uh, and that ethnic Greek sound, that original memorable song. um, Many people still think that 2001, Die For You should have been the winner. They Mm. still do and they did back in the day. There's a um, kind of an urban legend in Greece that, oh, we just didn't win because we weren't ready to host next year.
1: Ah, If if
2: you're guys into those uh, conspiracy theories, I don't believe it, obviously, but... I do think we deserved it. In any case, that was the spark that ignited the competition interest in Greece. And as a whole, we started taking it more seriously even the public broadcaster included. Couple of years, we experimented a bit. We sent that now iconic SAGAPO by Michalis Rakicis. If you remember those costumes and Robocop suits and stuff. But in 2004, it was uh, Sakis Rubas, of course, maybe the biggest pop star in Greece, took part with Shake It. He came in third, second, third place in the 2000s. In 2005, we won. So like with Elena Paparizou, with Die For You. Uh, runaway winner, Greece celebrating in the streets, all the people like we won the cup, the World Cup or something. She <laughs> um, so had a national hero reception. It was great. It felt amazing. I still remember. it. After that point, it felt like if we're not in the top three, it's not a success, right? Because we've been in like two top threes and one waiting like a span of four years, which is crazy if you think about it. We did have consecutive top 10 Finishes for a long period of time until about 2011. Uh, Kalomira in the meantime had the third place, Greek ethnic bobs, lots of dancing on states. It was like we found our niche. We had found what makes people vote for Greece. And we shouldn't forget that back then it was televote only, which really mattered. There were no juries. People liked what Greece sent. People voted what Greece sent, year after year after year. So that is basically what was happening during the 2000s. This is what, arguably, we would have two more winners if you think Kalomira and Antique should have won. Um, And after that, it was just downhill from there. And I'm still expecting for the time that, Things are gonna turn, and Greece will be the powerhouse again. Although, it doesn't seem very uh, hopeful for the time being.
0: Do you you mention Greek sound, and you know Greece does have a sound for people. You know, I mean, people will know what you're talking about without having to go back and listen to these songs, right? Do you? Do you, I guess, do you have, would you prefer your Greek entry to be an original language? Do you like a Greek sound? Do you like an entry with a Greek sound? Yeah. I mean, is there, there's something that with, with the identity of Greece kind of really strongly in there. Do you, do you like that? Uh,
2: personally, if you ask me, it's, it's about sending the song that has the possibility to do best. And, uh, this, this. Few, last few years with the juries, we noticed a trend for countries to move off the ethnic stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, and Greece is apparently doing the same. Now, it's sad that we don't actually show our culture through Eurovision music and that the last few Greek songs could have been sent by pretty much any other country. But we did do well over the last two years. So I guess that counts for something. And as I said before... The stars kinda aligned back then because it was Televote only. Europe had an appetite for ethnic, good ethnic music. They loved the sound of Greece. We were doing well. We we organized the Olympic Games in two thousand and four. Greece's name kind of was in back in the day. So this this era is different. I don't think we would do as well if we returned back to that recipe. Yeah, uh, times change. So. I couldn't tell you, but I feel like it wouldn't be the same.
0: Well, Stefania could have had a better cat suit because it turns out, I don't, you probably, I don't know if you remember previous episodes, but Eleni Furera's cat suit, the Fuego cat suit, was designed by a Greek so mm-hmm. I'm just saying I feel like uh, I feel like like a little detail. I feel like no Greek should go to ESC with a Teletubby outfit. I feel that that should <laughs> never happen. Mies, were you there for when Duncan Lawrence? Did you see Duncan Lawrence when he returned? Was there a parade for him, or, yeah. or national adulation, or is he is he a national hero?
1: Um, well, I think. Uh at least for the first weeks after he won, he was absolutely a national hero. Um, I didn't actually uh, wait for him at the airport, but there were, there were very many people <laughs> at the airport waiting for him. Um, <laughs> that was very funny. It was also live on TV and there were, of course, a lot of press conferences um, during yeah, the t- first 24 hours after he landed in the Netherlands. Because you know, everybody was so happy because the last time the Netherlands won before Duncan Lawrence was nineteen it was in nineteen seventy-five. Wow. So that yeah, wow. so that's very long ago. Yeah, of course he was absolutely a national hero. And for the Eurovision fans he still is.
0: You think about that, that seems like so long ago because it was pre-COVID, right? It just seems like forever ago, but it but it wasn't. Um do you, do you have the True. same, do, when you, when that song won on the night, did you think it was going to win?
1: Yes, I absolutely, actually, when the song was um, published on TV, uh, I I was w- watching together with my brother and I directly said to him, this is going to win Eurovision because, and I, I was right, um, which was insane, but yeah, the song was just so magical, you know, I, I directly knew this is going to win. So during the evening, I was completely sure it was going to win as well.
0: Hmm. I was not completely sure it was going to win. I can't remember what <laughs> I was completely sure it was going to win, but that wasn't it. When you heard De Deepta last year, did you, I mean, I guess I'm asking the same question about language. Did you like hearing something in Dutch? Or did you think, oh, finally there's something in Dutch here for me? You know what I mean?
1: Yes, absolutely. I know what you mean. Yeah, I really liked that the Dutch song was in Dutch um, because um yeah, I don't know. It's just something you can sing along as well, and um, uh, uh, it's even though I think people, yeah, from foreign countries don't speak Dutch, they um, kind of still get the vibe of the song, and I think yeah. that's very great as well. Yeah, but I really yeah. like that it was in Dutch.
0: Both of those songs also have very minimal staging. I think it's very gutsy to go with minimal staging, and um, the staging is so minimal on both of those songs. I think you really have to bring it home with the song, because there's not a lot else doing the work for you, I think. Yes. Brave, brave songs. So before we get to the songs we like for this year... I am wondering if both of you have what your strategy is for going to real Eurovision. So let's not talk about Eurovision 2023 because everyone's probably planned. Eurovision 2024, what's the best way to actually get to a real Eurovision? So um, at our house, it's wait for the winner book any cities book hotels in any cities that might bid yeah for free just you know you don't have to pay for them you just book Mm -hmm. them um start with the hotel see if you can get eurovision tickets and then go for plane flights is that what you folks do as well
2: well that's a very good strategy personally this year i don't think i'm even gonna wait for the winner i'm taking it to a next level this year so right (laughs) we have who knows who will win probably a Nordic country, right? Maybe Sweden, maybe Norway, maybe Finland. Um, and these countries happen to be expensive, all of them. So this year, I'm not even going to wait. I'm probably going to book hotels in every city that is possible to host it in every country of those three, even before the contest has finished.
0: For the entire wow. month of, of May, yeah. So every, every week of May. Okay, so that's, that's where... <laughs> Okay. And okay, if how about- some other
2: country happens to win, well, right after the winner is announced, I'm going to do
1: the same process again.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice. How about you?
1: Um, well, um, I am not into it like that much. Um, what I'm going to do <laughs> is I'm going to um, what I did last year as well, actually, is I'm just going to try to find like a campsite. This year it was not possible because I am uh, going to travel by airplane and I can't put my uh, tent in like the suitcase. It's too, um, too big, but um, I, I'm, I, I hope next year I have a driving license and I can um, just drive to the host country and uh, I will bring just a tent with me and I will try to stay somewhere as cheap as possible.
0: I was really afraid you were going to say sleep in your car. Oh no, <laughs> I was really afraid you were just gonna be like, I'm just gonna park. I'm just gonna park and sleep in my car. That's what I'm gonna do. All right. Fair enough. Okay, so that brings us to this year's picks. This is a bit of a special super fan episode with some picks from 2023 for this year. You've each picked three choices. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and just go back and forth, right? So first up is Anthony and I've got post-it notes for all of these songs. We've got Estonia with bridges. Anthony, why do you love this song?
2: Yes, I love this song. I absolutely love this song. Um, it's um, Alika or Alika, I believe is the correct pronunciation. She's a 20 year old singer and writer, songwriter from Estonia. This is a ballad. This is like a classic Eurovision ballad. Uh, It doesn't reinvent the wheel, but uh, Alika's voice is absolutely flawless. Her vocal range is amazing. The song is very heartfelt because she did write it at a moment of emotional distress. Um, Very high quality, classy staging. Um, As far as national final season goes, I think it must have been one of the most polished live performances. And the juries are going to absolutely love it. So if she does make it out of her semi, which is the weak one, it's semi two. I do believe she could get a lot of jury points. And I do think that it's going to be the best ballad out of the lot. And why not? Maybe she's a dark horse for a top 10 position. It's really funny to me that this song goes so much under the radar this year. She's going to be pure class. It's not everyone's cup of tea. I know people say ballads are boring, blah, blah, blah. To a certain (laughs) point, I do agree with this. But, you know, these songs are amazing for the contest. They keep it honest. They, They keep some, you know, seriousness around the whole contest. And it's something that I believe everybody would appreciate.
0: Yeah. Um cool. yeah, I've got in my notes here, this is a James Bond song to me. This is just like a James right. Bond opener. It's just yes. a, yeah, it's um I, I also wrote my only other note was that I hope the staging follows the video because I watched the official video and she's kind of sat at her piano and then she mm-hmm. falls back into water. And mm-hmm. um, I'm hoping they, you know, the, the green screens with like the blocks and everything are becoming really popular. And I'm thinking that maybe they could put her on a platform and she could fall back into something. I don't know. But uh, ah. I'm in any case, I'm hoping it's not just her sat at a piano.
2: Actually, the delegation has already said that not many changes are going to be made in comparison to her national final performance.
0: Are you booking Estonia, Anthony, for 2024?
2: I mean, no, I don't go that (laughs) far. Uh, But if you (laughs) asked me to bet on something with Estonia, I would tell you that maybe it's going to be top five in the juries.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. How do you feel about the song, Mies?
1: Well, I actually love the song. Um, Um, It's like in the same style as Arcade and uh, Tout L'univers uh, uh, in two thousand twenty-one, Switzerland. By the way, it's also produced by the same producer. But uh, I think I don't think it's actually going to maybe not even qualify. I think. Sorry. Really? From from
2: <laughs> yeah. semifinal two, it's not gonna qualify. Have yeah. You okay. Seen what's in semifinal
0: two? <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. <Ouch>. okay.
0: <laughs> May- yeah. That's some shade on semifinal
1: two. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> Um, it's of course true that uh, like the songs from semifinal two are like much weaker than the songs from semifinal one, including mm-hmm. Estonia, I think as well. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but Ouch, I shade think...
0: on Estonia, <laughs> it's all falling apart.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but no, okay. So yeah, I don't know. But of course we must remember that they are, I think they kind of, they could end up high in the juries, but the juries won't vote in the semifinals this year. Yes, of course. Of so course. Okay, how do you
0: feel about the rule changes? How does everyone feel about the rule changes? This is a good time to pause. Do you miss juries? Do you miss juries, Anthony?
2: I'm not sure if I miss the juries or not. I'll have to see what the results of a televote-only vote is going to be because the public sometimes gets it right, sometimes gets it wrong wrong. But the same thing happens with the juries as well. So I do believe it's good that they remain in the final to make things a bit more balanced. Mm. um and in the end i guess you know ebu must have thought like what does the people want to see in the final let's make sure it's their decision who goes through ah, sorry right. if that's their line of thinking i don't disagree with it at all
0: how about you Mies? do you miss a jury well um
1: i don't really know yet of course because i still don't know which countries are going to uh uh, qualify this year, but uh, I have compared some of the last uh, semifinals of the last years, and I uh, I just compared the results with the, like the, the official results and the results if the results would have been calculated as the as the new rules, and I was kind of shocked that for example Australia in 2017 ended up in the top ten, but if the res- if the jury wouldn't have been voting in the, in their semifinal that year, um, they wouldn't even have qualified. So like.
0: You know, I don't know. Yeah, I think there's lots of examples like that. I think there's lots of examples like that. So great. So we're going to move on to one of uh, Mies's choices, and that would be (laughs) Finland (laughs) (laughs) cha-cha-cha. This is, this is, yeah, go ahead, Mies. Why do you defend this song, please? Why do you love this song? (laughs) Um, Well,
1: the first time I heard this song was just on the street in uh, Vienna. I went there for like a Eurovision party with Leon, another Dutch guy. In uh, that I that I know, it's he is also a fan of Eurovision. I met him last year in Turin, and he lives in Finland. And he just had his phone had the song on his phone, and he just played it. And I was like, "What the f- is this song?" <laughs> but um, I must say, I think in the audience, everyone will just be screaming "Cha cha cha!" like. Like the clapping with Bitti Strava last year, I think that is just, yeah, I don't know. It's just going to be, um, yeah, just the entire audience will be like screaming cha-cha-cha. And yeah, that's, I think, why I like the song so much. I'm already looking forward to do so.
0: <laughs> I've got for this, I've got, this is so dark and like the stage, dark and aggressive. That's what I've put. I've put, I have to get over the start of this song. The end is good. <laughs> and he clearly can't like they'll have to do something different with the staging, or, or will they? Will he be in a giant poofy lime green, <laughs> I don't know, dog collar in a <laughs> in a boxing ring? Is that gonna be possible? Like the staging the staging for the video is so is at such an extreme level, like the show <laughs> staging would have to match that. It can't be less, can it, Anthony? What do you think?
2: A part of what makes that's such a good performance, I believe, is the staging itself. To be honest, yeah. I, I do quite like how chaotic everything is, and I do like the dancers very much. They're like actors in it; they don't just dance. They like participate in the in the whole spectacle. Um, and that that will definitely be. I don't know. Maybe it will win the televote. Uh, it, it's something that. You think that you... Cha
0: Cha Cha is going to win the televote? I'm so, I think... now I'm frightened to not have juries. I'm suddenly I'm suddenly very afraid.
2: I mean, <laughs> if the juries want to tank them, then the juries will tank them. But I do think it's a, one of those songs that makes you want to pick up your phone and you know vote for them, right? It's it's definitely mm-hmm. not a song that will just brush through your mind and you you will not think about. It, it might be. Yeah, it's memorable. You... it's memorable. It's memorable. It's exactly. memorable.
0: Especially, I suppose, if it gets one of those, if it made it to the final and it got one of those undesirable places, like in the middle, you know what I mean? Like, that, like it's going to make it, you're going to remember it even if it gets put in the middle of, of a final performance. You're not exactly. going to forget it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, It is true.
0: Okay, here we go. Anthony's turn. Queen of Kings, Norway. Yes. We've got Alessandra with Queen of Kings.
2: Alessandra Melle. Um... Actually, she does share birthday with Alika. It's the same day, same year with Alika oh. from Estonia. Yeah. Um, that's a fun fact for both of them. Uh, but that's not the reason I chose this song. Um, she was born in Italy. Her father is Italian. Uh, that's why she looks kind of Mediterranean herself and so powerful and strong and uh, not Nordic at all, I would say. However, the song is very Nordic. It's that. Has that quality in it, uh, the way it's orchestrated and, and everything. It's about female empowerment. Alessandra herself is bisexual, so her experiences has factored, have factored in the creation of the song. That's another fun fact about that. She was another runaway winner, kind of like Alika in Estonia. She won both the international jury and the televote, very easily the televote. Another very polished performance, Eurovision ready, although Norway has said that they're looking into changing things up a little bit and they're going for the win. I'm not sure if they will win because it's, it's not a song that we haven't heard before, right? It is catchy, of course. It's very Eurovision friendly. It does remind of other songs that sound like this. Yeah, for sure. I mean, even Sweden's last year, uh, Melfest from uh, Clara Hammerstrom, was it? Running uh, over the hills, whatever the name was. Sounds kind of similar to that. But uh, I think she makes... She's one of the reasons that Semi 1 is so strong, along with Sweden, along with Finland, and all the other bobs that we have in this Semi. And it should just go through on a televote only night, for sure. So... Casual viewers will probably love it, um, and we we are seeing here in the final. She's very young, she's very
1: fresh, and she seems to, to really, really enjoy it.
0: Uh, Mies, how do you feel about this song?
1: Well, what Anthony said, um, it's a very catchy, Eurovision-friendly song, uh, but I don't think this will win, actually. But I, absolutely, this will do well in the final, by the way. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's I love the song, but it won't win.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry. (laughs) I wrote down, I wrote down um, Lord of the Dance. Yeah. So to me, this is like some Irish dance like da 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 da. da." I know there's something about it that um... it it
2: sounds like power metal without it being power metal.
0: Yes. Yeah. Okay. I can see that too. Mm -hmm. I can see that too. Yeah. It's, and there's like, there've been quite a few female warriors at Eurovision. So I feel like she's going to have to amp up her, her female warrior. I don't know what she's going to do like armor or whatever, whatever, whatever people do. I don't know.
2: The first Um, thing I was reminded of when I saw her performance was Ruslana from 2004 in Ukraine with wild um, dances.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, mm-hmm. your picks, Anthony. By the way, are a little bit dark. I didn't realize this about your personality. But speaking of dark, like you, you you've got some dark choices. This I wasn't expecting this from you.
2: Uh, actually, I don't say it that way. I was expecting you guys to comment on how simple those songs are, how they are very Eurovision friendly and nothing groundbreaking. Because I'm a simple guy. I'm an old guy. Oh well, I'm in my 30s. so. That's all for
0: Eurovision.
2: Yes, exactly. So the time when I got into Eurovision was a simpler time as far as musicality in Eurovision went. So I don't need much to like a song. I just want to, to see it and just enjoy it.
0: I think as someone who is a mother tongue English speaker, I'm very spoiled to have people who speak English with me, right? So this is a perfect example, right? I don't speak Greek or Dutch, and yet we're still having a conversation. Mm -hmm. But I I think I know that in Eurovision, the lyrics can't be like complicated, right? Because everyone has to enjoy the song. So I think here, you know, Queen of Kings, it's a play on words. And so it's a little bit interesting. Like um, a couple of years ago, there was what, Alcohol You? Do you remember Alcohol You? Which is not funny. 2020, yes. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. But like, okay, it's got like a little bit of a funny title, a little bit of a subversive title. But like, then you get to the lyrics and there's like not a lot there for me, um, there isn't. as opposed to Duncan Lawrence, where like that song works like it's um, the lyrics are strong enough. The song is strong enough. So I think I give a lot of songs um, pass because I know that um, they have to appeal to everyone lyrically. So I give this song a pass because it has to appeal to everyone lyrically, uh, which brings me to. Mies' next choice. But, um, I'm a bit afraid of this. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Oh, no, I'm not afraid. I'm very excited. Croatia. Oh, Ma-
1: no. <laughs> Let
0: three, which, which and I'm going to s- go ahead and say that the, the Seriously, name of the song You, is you beat that
1: one? Yeah, it's like Mama <laughs> Sht. Uh, if I'm mama Mama yes. Yeah, Mama Sht. <laughs> sht.
0: Defend this song, Mies. Defend this well. choice. I think it's actually like maybe the
1: worst song in the entire competition, (laughs) but I like it so much as well because like it's um, uh, uh, just like, yeah, I don't know, like so weird and it's like so Eurovision, I think. Maybe it's also just like a stereotype about Eurovision in the Netherlands that... There are always just like those weird songs, you know. No, it's, not, a, it's not just a Dutch
0: stereotype. It's, yeah, that's why you watch Eurovision. <laughs> yeah. This is why we watch Eurovision.
1: And um, uh, yeah, I think Croatia is like a perfect example of that.
0: Yeah. Do you, do, you, would, do you actually like the song? Would you listen to the song without the video, for example? Would you, if it was just the music, if you closed your eyes and you didn't have um, the stage show, would you, would you listen to it?
1: No, I don't actually think so maybe. No.
0: I, I <laughs> No, okay,
1: wait. I it, the song is like a bit like funny, I think. So yeah, I don't know. No, but I don't think I will listen to it like every day or something just because of the song. No.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay, so we're not going to Croatia for 2024 is that what you're saying?
1: No. No, okay. but will I just it like that. make it to the, it to like the, the final
0: knees. Will it make it to the final?
1: Of course, there is only televote, so it could be possible that people vote for this, even though I also think there will be a lot of haters for them.
0: Anthony, your thoughts? You must have strong thoughts. I also have strong thoughts, so this is is a strong thoughts kind of a song.
2: It's another one of those songs that... Will be memorable right whatever it does in the rankings. um personally <laughs> i just want to memorable exactly yes you can't miss it you can't miss it no matter what it's it's in your vision you know somewhere maybe in your nightmares also who knows where it is that song in any case um i'm i'm proud of croatia actually because after all these years of disappointments they just said Blip it you know we're just going to select something that we enjoy we will vote for it it's going to go there we're going to have fun and we don't really care if it goes well or not because even when we cared about it we didn't really do well lately so i'm just glad they're getting the full eurovision experience they're behind their entry <laughs> and uh no matter i'm kind of jealous as a greek because we don't have a national final we don't even know at the time of recording, we don't even have the reveal of our song. So I wish we had a song like Croatia, even if we got disqualified in the fa- in the same.
0: Yeah, um, I'm not going to lie. I think this is my favorite song going in, bar none, absolute favorite song. I... Before Sam Ryder did so well, I thought that Britain should have sent something that looked like performance art more than music, like a little bit like Anthony's saying, like, bleep it." like we've never cared. Mm-hmm. We're just going to like, you know, we've got the West End. We've got like a lot of very, you know, home of Monty Python. Maybe we can send something like that, you know, in in the form of a eurovision entry. i I feel like Croatia said you know, to Ukraine, like hold my beer, because this song is so (laughs) political. It's so political. It's so, so, so political. It must be the most political song offhand um, that I can think that's been sent to Eurovision recently. There's like a tractor reference, which I think is a a Russia-Belarus thing or just a Russia-Ukraine thing. There's like the Stalin-Hitler mustaches. There's the Stalin jackets Mm -hmm. in pink. Uh, there's the Rockets that remind me a little bit of Dr. Strangelove, the film. This is like a Stanley Kubrick Eurovision entry. I don't know. But um, yeah, all the other references, the references to Mama, like, you know, Mama Russia. There's just like nothing that's not political about this song. And it's not even um, subtle it's not like oh maybe this is a maybe this is a russia ukraine reference this is just like definitely political so i think also shout out to all of the granddads every every year every year every year (laughs) there'll be some group it'll be like whatever hoover phonic or uh, help me ramstein was that last year where somebody says oh they're sending the granddads. And I feel vaguely offended because I'm even older than Anthony, but I'm even older than Anthony. And that's fine. That's fine. But um, this year I was like, yeah, look what the granddads did, like with some, uh, with some black eyeliner and some like, holy Moses. That's a lot. That's a lot to pack into three minutes. I love Croatia. Can't wait to see them.
2: You wish I had their energy when, in 30 years from now, right?
0: Yeah, for sure. And like mm-hmm. a sequined nude colored bodysuit. Speaking of cat suits, those, they they peel <laughs> off the outfit. There's like some, there's like some man bare chest, some hairy chest with some sequin mesh overlay. It's a lot going on, mm-hmm. but um, mm-hmm. no, love it. I wonder how much they're going to change from their staging. Cause again, it couldn't possibly get any more political. I'm pretty sure that the guy at the end um, has Lennon written in, He's taken the word Lenin and changed the order of the letters, but I'm pretty sure that's what it spells. And I'm pretty sure that, like, (laughs) Eurovision isn't going to let you do that, but hey-ho. That takes us to our next entry, because I could talk about Croatia forever, and I'll definitely go there if they win. Yeah, so this is Anthony's choice. We've got Luke Black from Serbia. Samo mi se spava. And you might remember Luke Black, because he's got a little, I remember him from The Lobster. Yes,
1: yes.
2: Yeah, it's a promotional photo. That's the lobster guy. He didn't bring the lobster uh, in the performance. No, Uh, no. But it was a strong performance for sure. Another memorable entry. Um, He's also kind of like an actor on stage and uh, he does those weird um, uh, facial things with his face. I don't know how else to say it. Um, The song itself is different. It's not Eurovision friendly at all. Maybe it's one of the least Eurovision friendly songs of this year.
0: Why do you say that, Anthony?
2: It's like industrial, pop, uh, artsy, novelty act. Um, the thing behind him was Constructor's thing. Yeah. So it's not about the song as it is about what it wants to convey, as it is about his performance and uh, how he will bind everything together. The thing is, his final performance was much better than his semi-final performance. And I think that he will be even better as time goes by and he will present an even more polished product in Liverpool. I just wanted to say, Bradley, here, that the reason I picked this song... Oh, and he's only... He's 30 years old, even though he looks like 18 years old, by the way. Yes, Luke Black is 30 years old.
0: I have this reaction all the time to the women. Who was it that that sang Sugar a few years? Nadia, Natalia Gordienko? She's like 65. She's not, I'm just kidding. (laughs) She's like, yeah. Yeah, it's even harder to keep up with the ladies of Eurovision than it is with the men. But yes, yeah, he's like everybody in Eurovision looks good, mostly.
2: That's true. So the reason I picked this song is not as much as I I do like it, but... I just wanted to shout out at Serbia because their national final was amazing this year. It might have been one of the best national finals in Europe this year and they had like six, seven, maybe eight songs they could choose from and all of them could be the right choice. I, I just think that the level of competition over there and the interest of the people over there and the ratings it did and how happy they also are with their last selections. Serbia is an example of how a relatively not rich country can have a very, very strong national final season.
0: How do you feel about this song, Mies?
1: I think it is, yeah, okay. I am not such a big fan of the song, to be honest, but I think it is, uh, yeah, it's a nice song. Mm. But to be honest, I didn't watch like the uh, the Serbian national final. So I, I don't know if it would have been my favorite. So,
0: Which national finals did you both watch?
1: Belgium, Italy, Norway, Finland. Yeah, oh. that's it. And uh, Sweden tomorrow, I believe. That's yes. a lot of songs,
0: Mies. That's a lot of songs. And yes. how about you?
1: <laughs> well, I did watch Estonia. I did watch
2: um, Norway, of course. That one was very strong as well. Uh, Eight Mm. amazing songs. Finland was amazing. Serbia. I will follow uh, Sweden tomorrow as well. And uh, I even watched Albania because it was the first one to happen. It happens right before Christmas every year. Sure. The festival in Kenya. That's also very... uh, It kind of tries to imitate Sanremo a little bit with the live music and everything. But it's also very fun.
0: Their entry is very ethnic. It's, it is. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm worried for them.
2: It's a reminder of an older era in Eurovision. That's for sure. It's like mm. 2005 yeah. material. But I do like it. And I, I do think Greeks will like it. And I do think that Greece, Cyprus, and Albania being in the same semifinal will make a difference in the end on the results.
0: Yep, that makes sense. That makes mm-hmm.
2: sense. Okay. Um,
0: this Luke Black song... Is very 1980s to me. I like the original language and I think musically it's very strong. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if it will do well, but uh, yep, that's how I, it's taken me right back to the 80s somewhere. I don't know. So, last but not least, Mies. It's Italy. It is, last but not least, it's Italy. <laughs> Surprise, Marco Mengoni, Due Vite, Italy. Why do you love this song? I wasn't expecting this from you. I am we're learning no? I'm learning more about both of you. I'm learning that Anthony likes things that are polished. And now yes. whenever I th- whenever I think the word polished, I'm gonna think of Anthony.
2: Correct. And
0: um and Mies, you've got like some kind of romantic soul. Is that what I'm getting from you here? Due Vite, tell me why you like the song.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, um this year I watched the San Remo for the first time. And even though I actually had like another favorite, my favorite was uh, Super if I pronounced that correctly. Uh, I also really like this song. And actually, I just like Italy every year. I also just really love that they, as far as I know, always sing in Italian. Um, (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just like, um, maybe Italian music is actually just very beautiful, I think. So, um, yeah, I just like Duevita as well.
0: Excellent, and Anthony, your feelings on Duevite?
1: Yes, I did uh, did watch a
2: few of the Sanremo nights, uh, not all of them, because I wouldn't do that to myself, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but uh, Due Vite was also my favorite. I know there there have been like a few other songs that people liked, um, but Marco is just a very very good singer. You know, he has uh, he has character, and uh, I think. It's going to be top 10, right? Because Italy is Italy. People vote for Italy. Juries vote for Italy. And it's a song that will get votes for sure.
1: Yes.
0: Oh, gosh. I don't know, guys. Do you think Italy will win? Oh, heck no. Not with this song. (laughs) Sorry. I also don't think so. No. I've loved Italy the last few years. I loved Brividi. Yeah, I mean, I've just loved, loved, loved. Italy the last few years. And of course I do speak Italian, so I don't have a language barrier for Italian songs. And, you know, I feel like a horrible person because if my complaint is the lyrics aren't complicated enough, I mean, Italy has been sending songs with, that are very strong lyrically and melodically, and just the whole thing is very, very strong. I think this is probably for me, the least strong, the weakest entry that they've sent in 5 or 6 years. I think they couldn't have kept going. I mean, it was it's tough to kind of create the kind of quality they have over, you know, just like year after year. This to me is a really I think what the Italians do well are like very human songs about human frailty, this and relationship frailty. Um, songs like, I guess, John Legend's Ordinary People that bother me in English. That song bothers me. I hate that song, but in Italian, those are kind of, those are kind of normal, more normal themes. This is like the, the lyrics have all of the, you know, I'm looking at our house and like the cup that I drank out of this morning or whatever. (laughs) And it's all of this like really boring stuff. And then it ends (laughs) with, you know, like you're not here and, um, you know, this might be the last song I write, or whatever it is. This, this is like a real typical Italian song for me lyrically. The details are just personal enough. So it feels like your relationship and it feels like yeah. a dysfunctional relationship. It feels like if I was singing in English, it would be a completely different song. I would just be like, it's time for breakup Seville. But not in Italian. In Italian, it's like we're gonna hang on to this even though it's dysfunctional <laughs> and we're really angry with each other, but like I love you and whatever. Um so I like, I like that humanity that, that, that Italian brings to just like relationship songs, but it is, it's just, there's just like a lot of these in Italian. There's just like a lot, yeah. lot, lot of these. And I like Marco Mangoni. He's great. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I did want to write though. He does sing about his Metallica shirt, which I think is an, which is an adorable addition, you know, like the Metallica shirt, which is a little bit like that Johnny Cash t-shirt from a few years ago. Um, but he also, it also had never occurred to me before I listened to this song, Mies, that the Italian word for hangover is hangover.
1: <laughs> really?
0: Yeah. So now I'm asking you, Mies, what is the Dutch word for hangover?
1: Well, that's kater.
0: <laughs> okay. And Anthony, is there—is there a Greek word for hangover?
2: Well, we just call it hangover.
0: Okay,
2: right. Okay. It's been imported by English. I'm yeah. pretty sure there must be some kind of translation in Greek. There's always some kind of translation. It just doesn't come to me now at the top of my mind.
0: All right. Well, if you if you have a Greek version of Hangover, I, I do. I was like a little bummed out that Italian imported that. It literally never occurred to me. Mm-hmm. Um, But I hope it does well. I mean, it's top, top 10, top 10 territory. It's, 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 yeah, if that were my relationship, you know, if I were having a bre- I don't know, if I were having a breakup right now, maybe it would, it would strike me differently. I don't know. I hope they do something with the staging or, or it'll get lost there in the middle somewhere.
2: It will also be interesting to see what they will cut off because it's five minutes long.
0: So. Oh, well, the middle of the relationship, Anthony. You yeah. <laughs> have some part of that, that like, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I guess it'll just be like that, that you know, beginning, middle and end where it's like we met and we knew it. This, if you looked up the lyrics of the song, just for fans, it's not quite that pedestrian, but it's its in there. Yeah, they'll they will find two minutes to cut out, I hope. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, mm-hmm. I hope they
0: put uh, Mangoni in something that doesn't look like a silk, a silk gilet, like a, no, like, I, I don't know. Some of the staging and the stuff, I don't yeah they can do better so since you have both been to eurovisions we're closing out now and i would like to ask you what you think the best way to spend eurovision week is if you happen to be going to liverpool and you don't have tickets yeah so for all of the listeners that may not have got tickets what, what what's your suggestion for how to just like just slay eurovision week
2: well, it's going to be an amazing time, that's for sure, no matter whether you have tickets yes. or not. That, that goes for every Eurovision every year. Uh, being in the stadium is like the smallest part of what makes Eurovision great. It's the interactions with all the Eurofans and all the new people that you meet. That's what makes Eurovision uh, so unique to someone visiting. Because let's not forget, Eurovision is a TV product, first of all. It's not made for concert venue as a as a spectator. Although it's still amazing, it's just not quite the same as watching it on the TV. Uh, in any case, I know Miz might know more about it, but there are viewings, uh, screenings, like in theatres, cinemas, uh, there is obviously the Euro Club if you can get a spot there, I think it's sold out already. Uh, there's the Euro Eurovillage, which will be full with fans every day for a week, you can always... Just go to a pub with a few of your Eurovision friends and enjoy the show there or just dance, uh, waiting Are for Are you a Saturday. dancer,
0: Anthony? Are you a dancer? Uh, I'm looking at your top three and I'm wondering.
2: Well, um, I can see myself dancing to Queen of Kings or Cha-Cha-Cha or those campy stuff like that. Especially if, if you lubricate me a little bit, I'm a better <laughs> dancer than... <laughs> So, yeah, yes. most
0: most Eurovision fans like a little bit of lubricated camp. I'm with you.
2: Most Eurovision fans, <laughs> it's like you look we look each other in the eyes and we know we know <laughs> what we need.
0: Now if Marco Mangoni wrote that song, I would listen to it. I would buy it and I would vote for it. <laughs> yes. Mies, how about you? What's your advice for people who don't have tickets?
1: Well, I I think you could just go to the host city and if Maybe make a lot of friends over there, as I did well as well last year. And um, if you don't have tickets, I think you can just go to the Eurovision village uh, in Liverpool. Um, there will be like big screens where you can watch the show and there will be thousands of people over there. So I think that is actually great to do. Maybe it's even better than being actually in the arena. I do agree with that.
0: Did you both like Turin compared to other experiences? Because I've only, I've only been to Turin. I don't have anything to compare it to.
1: Uh, Me neither. uh, uh, Actually, I've never been to like another Eurovision village before because the only Eurovision I went to before Turin was Rotterdam, but it was COVID, so there was no Eurovision uh, village. right, Right. But people do say that
2: the way England, the UK rather, is approaching the contest this year, it's much more different than how Italy approached last year in a general sense of the term. Like the happenings... I'm pretty sure you'll know you stepped yourself, uh, you stepped foot on the Eurovision host city the moment you get off the plane In Torino, if you didn't see the other fans, it was like Eurovision wasn't happening.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I will remember a memory that will stay with me is that, um, again, because we had my son, we waited to the last minute to go to the grand final at Eurovision Village and it was closed. I mean, there were 3,000 people stuck outside. Mm-hmm. which is kind of fine because with the small, I mean, we, we knew to expect, you know, we, he wasn't going to, asking a six-year-old to wait three hours through the voting finals is hard enough, much mm-hmm. less like three hours to get in or whatever else we knew it was going to be tough. But on our way back to the hotel, the people that had been locked out, it was just like, um, bell bottom. It was like the craziest outfits. It was like sequins and spangles and tears and makeup and glitter and agony and ecstasy and like people happy to find a TV to see it together. But it was like, yes. I just remember seeing the entire, ca- like, it was like the entire, it was like ABBA. It was like, but multiplied by, there was just like people <laughs> in bell-bottom pants and there, yeah, it's like, yeah, it was crazy. But worth it, completely worth it. Completely worth worth, it,
2: worth it. it, but people still struggled to find a venue to watch it. They couldn't get into the stadium or the that's oh, right? Oh, yeah, and
0: I'm going to hold that against Turin until forever because exactly. they, because is... because yeah, because Italy does better for the World Cup, of course. They 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 will have some big screen TVs and venues just sitting around. They do this, they do this for the World Cup already. So the fact that they didn't for Eurovision, I was really disappointed with. Yes,
2: yes, it is. Um,
0: I'm hoping that Liverpool, of course, does better because even the hosts are a bit different. You know, the hosts are a bit less telegenic, a little bit older, a little bit um, you know, Graham Norton and, and I think it's Hannah Waddington from um Ted Lasso. Yeah,
2: from Ted Lasso, yes.
0: Uh, yeah. These this is it's um I don't know. I, I think some of these decisions are really shrewd and really intentional, right? It's a different kind of a Eurovision, that's what I'm getting.
2: They they know what they're doing.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Denmark is going to make it into the top five. I didn't give anyone my three favorites, but um, I just wanted to say, I think Denmark <laughs> is going to make it into the top five. I just wanted to add okay. that. And um, I'm also hoping that Verka shows up. That's my other dream for this oh. Eurovision is that Verka shows up and maybe and maybe Goa. I'm hoping that those people yeah. show up.
1: I hope there will be a lot of references to Ukraine in general, actually.
0: Yeah, it's only fair. Yeah, that, that's yeah. the way it should be. That's the way it should be. Um, do, you ha- do you folks want to put in any hopes and dreams for Eurovision, hopes, dreams and bets for Eurovision 2023? Anything that you hope is going to happen?
2: Uh, I hope that a Nordic country wins because I want to visit uh, either Sweden, Finland or Norway. <laughs> I would bet that uh, Alika gets uh, top five in the jury, top eight in the jury. Let's say top five in the jury. So I'm going strong with that. And I hope that we will all have an amazing time in Liverpool.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: absolutely. <laughs> Mies, any, any, any bets, hopes, wishes that you have for, uh,
1: well, of course, I also hope we will have like a very great time in Liverpool. Um, and I think a Nordic control absolutely win Eurovision this year. Um, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I think Sweden or Finland. I hope my Sweden country will just Finland. qualify. And
0: the, and the final, the, yeah, okay. When is the <laughs> final again? The national, yeah, the selector for Sweden again?
1: Uh, tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow.
0: Yeah, so we don't even have a song yet and Mies thinks it's going to win. Fair enough.
1: Yeah. No, I think Lorreen <laughs> will win, right? <laughs> By oh, the way, we fine. are recording this on the 10th of May, of uh, March, sorry.
0: <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. For so those for, of us, for, for listeners listening in the future, which is probably everyone.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes exactly they already know Lorraine won the national final and now, I hope it's correct
0: <laughs> she didn't she didn't mean she didn't win the national oh, final shit. that's what didn't happen she didn't sad for you so that brings us to plugs if you have anything you'd like to plug any suggestions in this life I'm here for you we're here for you
2: well it's been amazing being with you guys meeting you Bradley uh, officially for the first I know. time hmm And uh, Miss as well, we didn't have the chance to meet it in Torino last year. No. Um, so I hope people will enjoy this podcast. I know I've been enjoy- enjoying it so far. Um, I'm in previous episodes as well and I hope this continues on and on and on. Yeah. But, uh, like if Bradley wants to do that uh, on the doth of every month, yeah, I could listen to it for years and years
0: to come. <laughs> oh, that's very kind. That's very kind. Let's all plan a drink for Liverpool, yeah? Mm-hmm. I'm buying. Of
1: course. Yes. Of course.
0: Bye everyone. Bye. Bye. <laughs> One last plug from me is that friend of the show Richard Di Domenici has posted more Eurovision karaoke. This time from ESC 1974. Check it out on our Twitter or in the show notes. That's it for Eurovision Song Context for the moment. We release an episode on the 12th of every month, The Doozith. You can find us on the podcast app of your choice. You can find show notes in the description of this episode and on our website at eurovisionsongcontext.fireside.fm. I'm also on Twitter at esccontext, if you want to say hi. Our music is Buckeye Bonsai, by Vans in Japan.